welcome back to Show Talk, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. As you can tell by the crazy intro music, we will once again be diving into The Magicians Season 1. This time we are moving right into Episode 2. And I don't know if I'm prepared, honestly, after everything that happened in episode one, but I am ready to get right into it, honestly. I think I'm going to go with the format that I did in episode one, uh, where it's kind of just free talking about everything that happened uh, leading up to current events. I like it that way. It feels like I'm talking to you guys a little bit more. So we're going to follow that format for a little bit just see how it works um but i like it oh one thing that i feel like i should mention that i didn't mention in the last episode is this show the magicians is not suitable for younger ages so i'm thinking more of a 15 18 and up situation it is protected on netflix um, by parental restrictions if anything so i would just keep in mind Uh, of that if you are going to go into episode two and on. I mean, there were some risque uh, moments in episode one, but I'm sure that's going to continue even more throughout the whole entire season. So proceed with caution as always, and let's just jump right into it. So let's just do a quick recap of what actually went down in last episode, episode one, Unauthorized Magic. In this episode, we found our main characters so far, uh, Julia as well as Quentin, uh, discovering the life of the magicians. They find out that there's a school called Break Bills that basically just builds you up to be the best magician that you can be out in the world. Quentin passes and he's able to stay within the school and meet new characters and new friends that help develop him in his classes where Julia doesn't and she goes on a downward spiral trying to remember break bills trying to get back into break bills and it honestly is putting her down a very sketchy path. Quentin, it seems, is getting continuous messages from Fillory. What he thought was once a fictional book might actually be real. And it seems like uh, Jane Chatwin, a character within the book who continuously talks to him and reaches out to him, is warning him of a beast that is coming, which he might accidentally summon himself with the help of his new friends, Alice, Penny, and Katie, who in efforts to, well, in Alice's case, summon back her brother, accidentally summon the beast himself. So nobody is prepared, people are dying, and that was episode one. So now we're gonna jump into episode two, the source of magic, where we basically see the repercussions of the group's actions in raising the beast, what happened afterward, and we also get to see a few new characters this episode, as well as some characters we saw last episode get opened up a little bit more. So I'm excited to dive right into it with you. Uh, Let's continue. Where we left off, we found that the beast actually knew who Quentin Coldwater was. And that was a shock to everyone because Quentin has just gotten into the school. Yes, we've had some notions that something is coming specifically for him, but we didn't know that the beast actually 
new Quentin. So we don't know why exactly. And also, it's come to a surprise that the thing that we are supposed to prepare ourselves for, we actually created. So Alice and Quentin, Katie and Penny summoning this beast was not in the plans, at least not for Dean Fogg, his poor, poor eyes, and not for the informer as well. So now we're just trying to figure out what happened. And there's an investigation going on, and it seems like the kids decide we're going to keep our mouth shut. But honestly, Quentin is a really terrible liar, so I didn't know how that was going to work. And Alice... I don't know what she's thinking. If anything, we got into this because of Alice. So if anyone was going to be expelled for creating a spell that, you know, kills people, uh, it should be Alice. But that's something for another episode, I guess, because there's a lot to these beasts and these group of kids that we don't actually know about. And we get to learn a little bit more uh, this episode about what it actually means. Remember what we said in the earlier episode about Penny having a voice in his head telling him to go help Alice and Quentin actually do the summoning spell. It turns out that voice in his head has been the beast the entire time. Now, honestly, I don't know how to feel because if you found out that your entire life you've had someone in your corner, although mentally, has been coming through and protecting you and guiding you. Penny even says that the beast in his head has been his friend the entire time. Actually, has you summoned them? And then instead of being some friend who's like, hey, welcome back, like, glad to see you in real life, tries to kill you? I mean, that's a whole different situation. I think we should reevaluate this friendship, but that's just crazy. You come to think as we're going throughout this episode and we're learning what actually went down with the sight of the beast, that maybe this has been a plot since the beginning. Penny says he's heard this voice since he was a kid, so does that mean that None of this was in their power. Was Quentin always supposed to go to break bills? Was Julia always not supposed to go to break bills? Were they always, were Alice and and everyone always supposed to meet the way they did? Because it seems like everything has run its course perfectly. At least it looks like the beast was prepared for this. So what does that mean? Honestly, my mind is a little blown at the fact that they might not actually be living their real lives right now. And it's just one big plot that the Beast has created. Luckily, we have another day to figure this out because it turns out not everyone dies except for the teacher and and poor Dean Fogg. Poor Dean Fogg is holding strong, but he's still struggling. uh, And he's currently in the hospital ward. But everyone else is alive. You know, that's great. Um, Katie coming through with that battle magic. Okay, she's able to put on the defense for a little bit to protect some of the students. Alice, you know, brains of the game sometimes coming through once again with her own version of bottle magic which apparently might be unallowed in break bills because the investigators do get a little angry at the fact that they were using battle magic in the classroom so it seems that 
when you're in break bills, you're just supposed to learn magic, not exactly how to protect yourselves. Because break bills, apparently, from what we hear, is surrounded by their own protective wards. And so the beast technically wasn't supposed to come through, but the kids were able to create the, that door that allowed him to come through. So that's where the whole investigation um, came into play. Now, while the teachers are figuring out who actually casted the spell, because Alice, Quinn, Penny, and Katie, they sure aren't talking, the kids themselves are trying to figure out where the beast actually came from. So Quentin believes that since it wasn't obviously the underworld and Alice's brother didn't come through, that maybe fillery is real because the imprint that he got on his hand with the sigil that allowed him to bring the beast forward was given to him by Jane Chatwin, a character within the fillery books, which in episode one, we did start to think maybe fillery was real. Maybe it's connected in some way. And maybe the beast himself is from fillery. We were warned in the beginning of episode one that Fillory and Further is no children's book. And so that means that there are darker characters that are going to be evolved throughout each chapter, each series. And maybe this Mothman, this beast, is one of them. I mean, if anything, that's the one thing that gets Quentin off of his nervous breakdown is the fact that he may be kicked out, but Fillory is real. Smart. Okay, that's... That's comforting thought. Like, yay, Fillory is real. I'm sorry, a beast just came out of your high horse Fillory of magical lands and tried to kill you. I don't think I'd want to go back there. And for a second, we thought that Quentin might actually get his mind wiped because it seems that Penny actually throws Quentin underneath the bus and lets the informants know, well, not our informant, but the teachers, the investigators know that he was the reason for the beast coming through. Now, I'm confused. Why would Penny do that exactly? Like, I get that they're not friends, but we haven't even really seen an interaction between the two of them, especially when all the rest of the kids decide to keep a code of silence. Penny's just doesn't even care. I mean, I get protecting your own skin, and you don't really know each other, so whatever but why not Alice she was the one who wanted to do the spell why not Katie well we know why not Katie because him and Katie are are with each other but still and we get to see a moment where Quentin is just in pure fear of actually having break bills erased from his mind like Julia because he thought he finally belonged he thought that he was where he wanted to be where he was meant to be and it might now all change it might now all go away because of one mistake that he made, a colossal mistake that he made, but it shouldn't end the way that it is. So he even goes to call Julia and ask her, how did you remember? How did you remember break bills? Don't make me forget break bills. And my heart broke just a little seeing him freak out so much and wanting to belong and wanting to stay. And I actually felt for Julia a little bit more as well, um, just seeing him panic at the thought of losing magic. And it was great to see him understand her a little bit more. Now, as we're talking about Julia, we're gonna switch what's going on with her at the moment, because I feel like this is a good segue into 
the mess that Julia has possibly walked into all while everything's going on with Quentin over at Break Builds. So where we left off with Julia in episode one, she has just got in contact with this man who says that he can help fulfill her wishes in having magic and being the greatest powerful magician that she can be. That apparently leads way to an organization known as the Hedge Witches. And once again, Julia is put into a position where she has to prove herself. She's sent into a cold freezer, meat freezer, with another character that we meet as Marina, who also seems to be a hedge witch incoming, um, who wants to learn more about magic as well. And they are sent and locked into this freezer and have to find their way out either using magic or the items around them to be able to escape. Now, of course, they don't think this is a trial right off the bat. They think that they're about to be killed. And so this is a fight for survival as well as a fight for magic, which is very interesting to see. And they have to do a lot of crazy things. I mean, there are more dead bodies already. Uh, There's one that is possessed or something who comes to life and continuously tries to kill Julia. Uh, but we find that it's just another item or another ploy to get to see what lengths Julia will take to survive and what lengths Julia will take to get magic. Because as they escape this freezer, it turns out the other character that we met, Marina, she's actually the leader of the Hedge Witches in New York. And she has about 50 points of stars tattooed on her arm just showing her length of magic and her length of resources that she carries everything that she's willing to give Julia if she decides to join now with the sketchiness that was the recruitment all the way to the hazing I'm Julia you know hold strong our prayers are going to continually be with you in episode three because i still think that this is a wrong path for julia to take and she sees it you can see it in her eyes as she's getting this tattoo of her first star of her commitment to the hedge which is that this is not the path that she should be taking ladies and gentlemen because it is sketchy it looks sketchy it's like walking into a mob that's that's all i can think i feel like Julia was recruited into a new mob of witches that have their own sketchy connections to magic and they just give it to who they seem to think is fit and you know Julia forever the stubborn one is ready to do what she has to for it and that's where we'll leave off with Julia and her series of unfortunate not smart decisions and i'm sure in episode three we will have more prayers and thoughts for her uh, going on for the rest of the season but we're gonna switch back over to quentin and everything that's going on with him now that he's in the possibility of being kicked out of break bills once and for all and as we continue on to Quentin's internal screaming of what is to come with his possible expulsion we learn a lot about what magic is what it entails and we learn this through new characters that we haven't really seen completely fleshed out yet one of these characters being elliot 
one of the first people that Quentin is able to meet upon entering Breakbills. And he lets Quentin know that although magic, it gives him so much. It gives him a place to be himself, a place not to feel alone, a place where he feels just like a person. It comes with a cost. He even goes on to say that magic is born from pain. And that, I, whoa, like that was such a perfect line for everything that's just been happening in this episode so far. And it gets reflected again, even when we're looking at Julia's side, when he lets Julia know that not everything can be solved by magic. And here we are for the last two episodes thinking, here we are, we've got magic things have changed okay it's a whole game changer but maybe that's not the case everything that's gone on from the death of the teacher to the warnings of the beast to the arrivals of the beast to the loss of dean fogg's eyes you start thinking that magic may not be the best thing it's great it's 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 magic but there's a lot of pain and hardship that's come from it so far and we've only been in what is this day two technically for him and that's that's crazy and that's something to keep in mind as we're going on throughout the season that everything that they gain through magic they may lose as well and that's a great thing that we should take in life in the real world in our world as well that everything that we gain in our friendships and in our time and in in life we have the ability to lose but we should enjoy it while we can and luckily blessed our heart that quentin is able to enjoy it a little bit longer because the specialist that they send in to actually wipe quentin's mind ends up being our informant that we found in episode one, who's actually ready to prepare or help Quentin get ready for the beast. And she lets him know that she's giving him one more chance, one more chance to get off that garden path that was warned to him from Jane Chatwin and to prepare himself for what is coming. And she also lets slip that maybe Fillory might actually be real. And so if Fillory is real and the dangers with Fillory come as well, he might as well just prepare himself. I mean, honestly, at this point, there's nothing else he can do. But I just need, we need someone to tell these kids. Someone needs to tell these kids that, hey, a beast just came and killed a bunch of people. Why? Because they're coming for you and you're the only ones that can protect them. There's no, you can't save someone if they don't know what they're fighting or running from. And that's my main problem with this episode. Everyone who knows that there's a beast and everyone that, who knows that the beast is coming, excluding Penny, who just wants to run from all of his problems. Oh, no. They, they just, they don't want to tell the main characters that that's what's going on and that's going to be their downfall in the end. At least that's what I feel and I really hope not. I really hope not as we're going on to episode three and on that it just, I just, we need to calm down a little bit. Yes, we need to prepare and yes, a lot has happened, but let's just fledge out some of the characters we got to know. 
we got to meet Margot, Elliot's friend, the sassy queen that she is. She seems to be nice, but Alice is not feeling it. We got to, let's get to know a little bit more about Alice. Uh, we are still trying to figure out what's up with her brother. So far, we don't know. I mean, spell didn't work. Uh, let's find out a little bit more about Elliot. So far, he seems to be Quentin's only confidant in the show. Let's let's hear a little bit more about him. Um, let's get to know about Katie. Katie, who apparently is an undercover spy working for the Hedge Witches as well, although reluctantly. I want to I want to know what her story is because I I don't think I don't think Breakbills would actually appreciate. Katie working with the hedge witches. So let's see how that goes. Uh, let's see if Penny is actually going to stay at Breakbills. Last time we saw him, he was on his way out. He didn't want to stay. He felt betrayed by the beasts. Let's learn what that actually even meant. What does it mean that Penny is hearing thoughts from the beast? Questions. There's always questions, but... We will go into that next time in episode three. And as always, if you like this episode, if you like this format, if you like me, share this with your friends, share this with your family, share this online, share this everywhere so we can keep the conversation going on Twitter with the hashtag showtalk or if you want to email me at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com, I am taking questions and conversations over there as well if you want to talk. And maybe as we continue on to season four and we do weekly updates, you might get a shout out on here. Who knows? There's always room for evolution on Show Talk Podcast. And as always, keep talking.